So I am reading from Proverbs 18, verse 21. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. I, for those of you who like taking notes or who love titles, I have titled my sermon today, Words, Just a Letter and a Letter on a String. So, I have always wanted children. Always. My mom's sitting there, my sister's there, they can tell you. When my sister had my nephew, I used to fight with her whenever she took her child I used to cry and I would literally want to hit her whenever she wanted to go away with him because I wanted that baby for myself. I wanted children even before I knew what it meant to have a child. I wanted children even before I knew that I wanted to get married. I was always that child who would gladly miss out on a, a, an opportunity to play if I can go babysit. Gladly, I would. So I think if I were at FH, I would probably, if I were at FH when I was younger, seven and eight, I'd probably be in the baby and mommy room instead of with, with the young guns where I was supposed to be. Um, and I remember watching the news with my mom this one time, and there was this lady who had abandoned her baby. And I remember sitting there with tears in my eyes and asking my mom, but why didn't she just give that baby to me? Everyone who knew me knew I absolutely loved babies. So in 2015, when I was doing my postgrad in, at Rhodes University, um, I was single at the time, and I wasn't particularly drawn to getting married. I was raised by a single mom, so I've only known strong women. Um, so I wasn't really particularly drawn to getting married. And, you know, it wasn't a thing. I was happy to be single. I wanted to just have babies. And so there... <laughs> I know, right? So there I was Googling IUI and IVF because I knew this was my only chance of having babies because I don't want to get married. Like, okay, so how are we going to do this? I don't even want a boyfriend. So how are we going to do this? By the way, that was March, February, I mean, sorry, uh, February 2015 and June 2015, I was married. So Jesus clearly had to... <laughs> Literally met my husband in April. We started dating in May and in June we got married. Literally. Yeah, that's, it's been seven years. So uh, when they tell you there's no formula to marriage, there really isn't. Um, so, uh, yeah, like I said, I got married like in June of that year. And, and I was so happy because now, yes, I don't have to save money to have IUI or IVF, you know, because there's my husband. Um, but but in, in that time before I met my husband, I remember telling my friends, there was two friends of mine, Sipo and Raylene, and I remember telling them that, guys, I'm going to have my babies through IUI. I'm going to have my babies through IUI. If that doesn't work, I'm going to have IVF. That's all I could talk about. And if you know my journey, if you know my story, I did have my first child via IUI. So, 
so we got married and um, immediately I wanted to have babies, of course. I mean, I'd waited my whole life to have a child. But we both decided against it at the time. But then fast forward a few years later, um, we, we've been married for some time. And I'm thinking about this baby thing again. I'm sitting there like, oh, how am I going to pitch this to this guy? You know, because I've been ready. Um, but I was sitting there, you know, just like just thinking about having a baby. And I remember having this thought, you can't have children, remember? I was gutted. Came out of nowhere and it hit me, it hit me at my core. And I think it hit me at my core because this is something that I resonated with somehow. And I'll, I'll tell you where that actually came from. So fast forward now to a few years later when my husband and I started trying to have a child. Couldn't conceive. It wasn't happening. Went to gynees, went to doctors. It was just not happening. And we eventually went to a fertility specialist for investigations. And I remember sitting in the car driving to Fembryo. And I remember thinking to myself, I know where the problem is. Well, at least I think I did know. And so we got there, the, the, she did all of her checks and, and everything. And um, a few months later, my worst fears were confirmed. My womb was in menopause. I was in my 20s, but they told me that, listen, your womb is in menopause. You've literally run out of eggs. You've got endometriosis. You've got fibroids. Your fallopian tubes are all tied up and there's like a plastic layer over them. No one knows how this happened. No one knows. And I remember asking God why. I was so broken. This is the one thing I wanted. I was broken. I remember asking God why. Why is this happening to me? And it would have been better if it were happening to me alone. You had to bring this other person on this journey with me. And I remember thinking that, what have I done to deserve this? What did I do? And I remember thinking, I was happy being single. I was happy. My plan, single for the rest of my life, have my babies through IUI and IVF. You told me to get married. I obeyed you. Is this the price I'm paying for obedience? Is this how this thing works? And God literally responded immediately. I was feeling so sorry for myself. And he responded immediately. Now, I know for some people say that, you know, sometimes they think God is silent. I don't know God's silence. For me, God speaks to me, like, suddenly. And I remember he said, it's not what you've done. It's what you've said. It's what you've spoken over your life. It's what you have declared over your life. And I had to stop and think for a moment, wait, what I've spoken. And he took me back to all of those times. Because remember when that thought hit me that you can't have children remember, I replayed that thought over and over and over again in my head. I told myself that I can't have children over and over and over again in my head. I told myself, I declared, I'm going to have my babies through IUI. I'm going to have my babies through IVF. It's what I said. 
I had that thought over and over again so much that it became a feeling. And I remember telling my gynae this one time that I don't think I can have children. And this was before we even started um, trying for children. And, and she said, well, why do you say that? And I said, I don't know. I just have a feeling. Our words become feelings, which become our actions and behaviors, which become our character, which become our daily reality. Now, I'm not saying that every single woman that is struggling with infertility spoke themselves into infertility. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you about my journey and the power that my words had over my life, hoping that you would learn a lesson or two. So I spoke myself into infertility. And there's some of you sitting in this room and you are speaking yourselves into situations that you have no business being in. You are saying words over your life that you have no business saying. You are saying words that do not align with what God has ordained over your life. So where do those words come from? Devil, of course. But I clearly remember a family member who was very dear to me, still is. I remember her saying to me, because she knew how much I love babies, and I remember saying to me, people like you who love babies never have babies. I was only seven years old. I was seven. And her words stayed with me, because remember, this is an adult that I look up to. This is an adult that I love. Her words stayed with me. And there was someone else listening to her words, the devil. And he stored those words, much like I stored those words, he also stored those words so that he could remind me a few years later. So when I went to the fertility specialist, I thought that the problem was in my body. Maybe so it was. But the biggest problem was actually in my head and in my heart. The biggest problem that I had was actually my words. So some of you are allowing people to speak words over your life that are not in line with what God has planned for you. And you have embodied those words. You have become those words. Some of you are aligning with people who don't have the same words that a child of God should have. See, when you align with something, it rubs off on you, right? It gets on your skin. It gets under your skin. It gets inside of you and it becomes your internal dialogue. So what are you aligning with? What words have you identified yourself with? One thing I've learned in my journey is that another person's words have no impact or power over you unless you identify with the words, unless you align with the words. That's when they start having power over you because you speak those words over and over, over yourself. So what have you identified with? There's a Japanese um, gentleman called Dr. Emoto. Um, go, and, go and research some of his, his, his work. 
he, one of, one, briefly, um, he had two jars, filled them with rice, and over the one jar he spoke good words, gentle words, kind words, and over the other one he spoke horrible words. And he did this over a period of time, over and over again, and what he found that the rice that he spoke gentle words over was fine, but the rice that he spoke bad words over started to become green, it had mold, it had... You know, it was rotting, basically. So go research his, his works, whether you believe it or not. Um, I guess it's up to you. So that's science, but what does the Bible say? Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. God said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let the land produce vegetation, let the water teem with living creatures, let birds fly above the earth across the sky, let the land produce living creatures. God spoke things into his existence. God saw darkness, and he didn't sit there and complain and moan about the darkness and speak negatively about the darkness. He saw the darkness, and he spoke light into existence. He spoke to the storm, and it subsided. Spoke to the fig tree. Spoke to the demons, and they fled. Spoke to the sick, and they were healed. He spoke to the dead, and they came alive. Think Lazarus, Talitha Kum. If we are created in his likeness, then surely our words have the same power. In John 14, verse 12, Jesus says, if we trust in him, we do the works he is doing and we will do greater things. So if he spoke and demons fled, if he spoke and the dead were raised to life, if he spoke and people were healed, we have the same power. It is in our words. Job 22, 20, verse 28 and 29 says, What you decide on will be done, and light will shine on your ways. When people are brought low and you say, lift them up, then he will save the downcast. There is so much power in our tongues, we don't even realize it. We say things in passing. We, we say things jokingly. Those words have so much power over us. And if only we could realize how much power our words actually have. I love the journey of the children of Israel. In Exodus 32, when Moses had gone up the mountain to speak to God, the Israelites saw that Moses wasn't coming down. So they gathered around Aaron and they said, um, they want Aaron to make them um, gods um, that will go before them because they don't know what has happened to this fellow Moses. And the Bible literally puts it there, fellow Moses. They didn't just wake up and want gods. They murmured amongst each other. They complained, they moaned, they groaned. They allowed frustration to set in. Why did Moses bring us here? Things were better there. Now we're going to die here. Where is this God? 
They spoke negatively about the situation and eventually it led them to sin, the golden calf. We speak ourselves into sin and we rationalize ourselves into sin. Everybody's doing it. It's okay. It's just this one time. No one can see. No one will know. We rationalize ourselves into sin with our words. In Joshua 3, the Israelites finally crossed into the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Now, some um, Bible scholars say that um, the journey was supposed to take four days. Some say the journey was supposed to say, you know, take 12 days. Um, I guess it depends on how fast you walk. Um, bottom line is, what should have taken a few days took them years. And perhaps that had something to do with their wilderness mentality. Complaining, impatience, bitterness. And so we have to ask ourselves, am I walking around the same mountain? And could this be as a result of my words? Am I speaking myself around and round in the same situations? Your words could be what's keeping you in your situation. So when they finally cross over into the, the, the promised land, um, in Joshua 6, God gives um, Joshua instructions, which, he, which Joshua is to give to his people. And in verse 10, it says, Joshua had given orders to the people, don't shout. In fact, don't even speak. Not so much as a whisper until you hear me say shout. Then shout away. There must be a reason God told them not to speak. There must be. Think about it. I mean, imagine you, you, you've been walking around for 40 years or you are a descendant of someone who's been walking around for 40 years. Everybody has died. Your mom has died. Your dad has died. Your friends have died. You're exhausted. So you walk and finally walk into this promised land and you're expecting it to like, just flow with milk and honey. That's what you were promised, right? You're expecting it to flow with milk and honey. It should be easy. You're perhaps expecting people to carry you into your palace that God has already built and is ready there waiting for you. Now imagine you have to get there and march around some city for six days, then seven times on the seventh day. I mean, shouldn't you walk in and everything is prepared? So I, I, I don't think anybody was excited about this assignment. Nothing good was going to come out of their mouths. It was only going to be complaining and negativity. And God knew this. And that negativity perhaps, doesn't say so in the Bible, I'm just imagining, Perhaps that negativity that would have come out of their mouths would have prevented them from taking over Jericho. Perhaps it would have caused them to walk around Jericho for another 40 years. God knew, so he told them to keep quiet. Negativity spreads. And even if there's optimistic people, even if there are optimistic people there, I mean, one negative word would have spread like wildfire and demoralize the entire nation. And they would have failed at their goal. So God told them to 
shut up. In verse 20, the priests blew um, the trumpets, and when the people heard, they gave a thunderclap shout. The wall fell at once. The people rushed into the city and took it. See, words travel at a frequency. Your words travel at the frequency and they have the power to change things. Your words have the power to break down walls. And they are even more powerful when a group of people get together and stand in agreement. I'm not trying to preach the, you know, prosperity gospel here. I'm not trying to preach the name and claim it and it's yours. I know that faith is a combination of believing and then speaking and then acting. Because remember, they walked, they, okay, God says this, okay, fine, let's do it. Let's just believe him. So they walked, that was the action, and they spoke. And the wall fell down. And after the wall fell down, what did they do? They went into the city and they took the city. Some of you have never been called good names. Someone here doesn't know what it's like to speak good, life-giving words over themselves. And so you're probably sitting there thinking, well, what can God do with me? I'm a this, I'm a that. Nothing God can do with me. I just want to remind you of our friend Solomon. Remember, Solomon was as a result of an affair, wasn't he? And so when he was growing up, you can only imagine what he was called, right? You can imagine what they called Solomon. They definitely didn't speak to him like a future king. And perhaps Solomon believed some of the words they called him. Perhaps he spoke those words over himself. But still God called him to lead his people. He had probably had a low self-esteem, poor self-image as a result of what people were saying over him. But when God called him, he got up. And he probably didn't even feel like someone who could ever become a king. So what did he do? When God called him, he spoke to God. He asked God, he asked God, Lord, give me an understanding heart. He knew that that's what kings should have, and he knew he didn't have it. And so he asked God for it. So if you don't know what God thinks of you, go ask him. God wants to use you no matter what you think of yourself. God is ready to give you a new assignment. He's ready to give you a new word. He's ready to give you new words to describe who you are. He wants to give you new words to speak over your life. You see, he is patient enough to teach you new, new words, no matter how long it takes. He's loving enough to renew your mind to receive the new words. And he is great enough to go against whatever words are inside of you right now. So we got to go to God. And when we go to God, you write down those words. Because remember, your yesterday 
is there ready and waiting to remind you of who you were. So write those words down. Carry them with you wherever you are. Speak them, speak those words over your life. And as I close, I just want to go back to the verse that I started with in Proverbs 18, verse 21. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. I'm going to call up Pastor Vince. I think, um, thank you, Sipa. That was very clear and a, and a great blessing. I think I could feel that God is really giving people new words already. And I think a real conviction of some of the words we've been using. Uh, I was just thinking about Hebrews that says, which we prayed actually before the service, funny enough, that the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing between truth and lie, soul and spirit, bone and marrow. It is living. And if we want a living word, we should read the word of God. So thank you so much, Sipe. I think um, if we can stand together, Sipe, if you could stay up with me, if we can stand together. And um, I pray and I really believe that this word um, is really a word to the weary for today. It is the exact word that had to go out from this place today. And I praise God for your obedience, Sipe. And, and um, I think if there's an opportunity for us to pray for somebody who you're struggling with some lies that has spoken over you, if you're struggling with some lives that you have spoken to yourself and you want that to break off, would you stand with somebody today and pray? And we're going to trust that the Lord does His work. And we're going to bring the Word of God in prayer and trust that that, which is those words which have caused bitterness, disappointment or failure, would fall off in Jesus' name. There is power in the name of Jesus. And it is the Word we ought to speak to the darkness. He is this light that shines in the darkness. Jesus is the light God spoke forth that shone. So that's who we are. So let's close off in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word and we thank you for Sipe for imparting this gift for today that will sustain every one of us. For I pray uh, against the lie of the enemies. We wage war against it tonight with the name of Jesus. So in the name of Jesus, we pray that those things be broken off in Jesus' name. Every lie that has been spoken, every failure that has led to, to negative words being spoken over ourselves and over people here, we pray that they be broken in Jesus' name. Lord, would you teach us your ways and show us who we really are. We are your children. Your beloved, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's our new identity. We do not identify with the devil's lies. We do not identify with the things that have happened to us in the past. We do not identify with things people have spoken over us. We are children of the living God. So Father, we worship you for that. And we thank you. We come together as a community and we thank you. We thank you for this word and for this gift. So, Lord, we pray that as we go out, um, that we would find a healthy community in which to find new words, that this community and this church would become alive and awakened, speaking your words to one another. 
releasing new language, God words into each other's lives. We pray that would be the awakening we experience is your living word by the power of your spirit at work. In Jesus' perfect name, we pray. And Lord, we, we pray for Sipa and her family, for her future, Lord. We pray that such great favor would follow them, that wherever they go, people would say, you are the Lord God who rescues, who redeems, who saves and restores, who heals our bodies and our minds, and who wants to bless his children. We pray for protection for them and thank you for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise and thanks to Sipe. Thanks to Sipe for being with us.